Okay. Good morning. Welcome to Heritage this morning. As you can see, we are here live and in living color from the Heritage Church building. And good morning to all of you who are both in the audience. We have a few folks in the audience this morning and those of you that are watching at home. This will be a live presentation we're getting ready for next week, which is our grand reopening. And uh, everything will be live except the singing will be pre-recorded. Even though we will be singing, those of us that are here will be singing. Looks like we have about 20 people here in the audience. Like I said, this is a, a dress rehearsal kind of for next week. And if there are any changes to that, we'll certainly let you know. Uh, those of you that uh, get the highlights uh, got this yesterday. It was attached to the highlights. Uh, it's uh, a semi-bulletin. Uh, on the back are the instructions for next week's service. There's only 13 of them, so that won't take you too long to go through those. Um, and if you have any questions, call the church office or one of the elders. We also are doing a short video. We will be doing it this, this morning and putting it together, and we'll have it on the website uh, probably Wednesday uh, with a little more detail about how things are going to operate once we have uh, more than just 20 or 25 people here. We're grateful that uh, those of you that are here, we're grateful that you're here. and. Uh, we hope this goes well. Let's start off with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day of life, and we thank you for this time to be together, to worship you, whether you're, we're physically here together or wherever, you might, wherever our members might be or friends or those that are tuning in. We're grateful for all the people who are dedicated and interested in worshiping you regardless of the means. This uh, serious virus that's been going around has caused us to kind of rethink a lot of things and has pointed out to us how we have taken some things for granted in the past, such as the ability to all come together at one time in one place and sit right next to each other and shake hands and hug and talk and uh, those things have been taken from us basically and we miss that. We do pray that this pandemic will be short-lived, that we either have some medicine or some vaccines that come along that will uh, eradicate the disease so that we can get back to a somewhat normal state of, of living. We're mindful of sacrifice that uh, people in other parts of the world make on a regular basis, people who are not free to gather to worship anytime they, they feel like it or anytime that they feel they need to. Um, we haven't had that problem in the past, but now we kind of do and we can understand 
what some people are faced with in uh, certain parts of the world. And we pray for, for them, and we pray that they would be allowed to uh, freely worship you wherever they might be. We would ask that you'd be with us as we go through this worship service. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son that made all of this possible. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the scripture too. And it is um, from Mark chapter 2, first five verses. This is the ESV. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Crowded with many crowds, the Who died eternal life to 
This morning I'm going to be reading from Luke. It's his record of the Lord's Supper. Luke gives us a little hint that the other uh, writers didn't and that he speaks of wine being served twice. And what was really happening was it was a full meal. Uh, they met in each other's homes and uh, uh, it was kind of like a potluck supper. Everybody brought their food and they also served the Lord's Supper. The first one didn't have that, but it was the full, full meal. And so that's what he's describing here. You wonder what happened between now and then. As the church grew and it was too large to meet in homes, they had to cut out the meal. So that's the reason why we have bread and wine only today as opposed to a full meal. So I just researched that and thought you might like to know. I'll be reading um, Luke 22, 14 through 20. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took, also took the cup after supper. This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we can't imagine the anguish that our Lord Jesus Christ had when he was crucified. Mankind, who he created, turned their back on him and wanted to crucify him. He looked down from the cross and he forgave them. Pure act of love, Father. And Father, he extends that, you, you, he extends that love to us today. It is that love that we celebrate in this memorial. Father, we ask that you bless this bread which represents the body of Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that you'll forgive us of our sins and thank you for giving of us our sins so we may partake in a proper manner. Amen.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in a similar fashion, we ask that you bless this wine, which represents the blood that Jesus shed for ourselves, for our, for our eternal being. Forgive us our sins, Lord. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. Well, we have a lot of empty seats today. So, interesting watching people struggle with their mask up and down and, and uh, not knowing whether you should wear it, what have you. Do whatever you like. That's totally up to you. And, and for those that are at home watching right now, we are looking forward to seeing you one week from today, July 5th. And as Tom Trigestad said just a moment ago, we want you here. 
we want you worshiping with us. And we'll be doing a video today that will be out on the church website and we'll make sure that you have all the instructions about what you need to do or not do and who should not be here next week uh, because of illness, because of what's going on. I'm just overwhelmed right now by two words and these are on the screen right now. It's forgiveness and healing. Healing and forgiveness. Jesus came to give us both. But I can't think of a time in my life that we need these two, healing and forgiveness, more than any other time. Isn't it interesting how at this point right now we are struggling with these two words. We want to be healed, but we're not sure. How, how do I act? What should I change in my life? And then, of course, that's the healing part. The forgiveness part is a lot more difficult to deal with, it seems to me. At least I have noticed some people struggling with the forgiveness part more than anything else, not knowing how to ask for forgiveness, not sure what to do. Healing and forgiveness. There is one passage in the Bible that deals with both. And just a moment ago, Tom Trigestad read this passage Mark 2, verses 1 through 5, and there he, Jesus did a startling thing when he saw a man who was paralyzed. Jesus is ready to heal him, and he looks at the guy and he says, not get up and take your bed and walk. He says, your sins are forgiven. And then he heals after he forgives the sin. I'm just wondering if that's really what goes on with us. I'm wondering if Christ has forgiven us of our sins, but right now we are struggling with the healing part, trying to get past some of the things we've said or done or even thought and struggling with how to deal with those things right now. This morning, I want to give you something that you can take with you, and you don't even have to take it with you right now. You can use it right now. You can use healing and forgiving. Let me just put it this way. Jesus did a startling thing. He made it obvious that he had the ability to forgive sins by healing this man that was so sick. He did. He proved who he was. I've got news for you. You have the same power of healing and forgiveness. You do. In fact, that's one of the things that we are called to do is to help people that are sick. You know, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he said, on the day of judgment, I'm going to say, I was sick and you came and you visited me. I was naked and you gave me clothing to wear. Remember this passage? I was thirsty and and you gave me something to drink. Remember that? And then Jesus is going to say, when the saved say, when did we ever do this to you? We didn't know any time that you showed up. And then Jesus said, inasmuch as you did it unto these sick, hungry, thirsty people that have no love, people that, that have no one to forgive them, inasmuch as you did it to them, you did it to me. I, I want you to think about these two words, healing and forgiveness. 
Because you have the power to do both today. Before the sun goes down today, there's somebody that you need to forgive. Before you stop your work this afternoon and get everything completed, you're going to have to reach out and touch the life of someone that's sick, someone that needs healing. You have the power to do something to help that person. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles back to Mark 2. Just a few moments ago, Tom Trigaset read verses 1 through 5. And the story goes on beginning with verse 6. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? And this is what they were thinking in their hearts. Jesus said, why are you thinking these things? Which is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or get up and take your mat and walk? By the way, think about that for just a moment. Which one would be easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up out of your sick bed and take off. Which one would be easier to say? You think it's your sins are forgiven. But you see, what we know is that Jesus, when he says to this man, your sins are forgiven, Jesus is going to have to turn around now and go to the cross, and he's going to have to die for that man's sins. Infinitely more difficult than just saying, take up your healing, this man, get up and take your bed and walk. And so we'll get back to that in just a moment. Look at verse 8. He knew in his spirit what they were thinking. They were thinking, how can this man say that he can forgive sins? He's not God. Only God can forgive sins. Well, they're right about that. It just so happens Jesus is God. And he proved it by knowing exactly. Did you notice in the passage, it doesn't say, how did you know what we were thinking? <laughs> That's the question they, they should have asked. And so in verse 9, uh, in verse 10 rather, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. They praised God. We've never seen anything like this. Before I came to this congregation... I preached at Bellevue Church of Christ in Nashville. And my best friend at that church was a young man back in the year 2002, if you have that slide up there. Uh, in 2002, this, this young man, Jason Roberts, was a paralyzed man, but he could drive his van. It had all these hand accelerator brake turn signal, everything that was going on. He could operate that himself. He couldn't move his legs, but he could move his hands. That was in 2002 when we first moved there. And over the next 10 years, he and I spent almost every day together visiting people. We would, we would have Bible studies with people. In fact, we began a Bible class for people that were uncomfortable coming into a church building. There are a lot of people that have never been in, inside a church building Guess what? We had a class just for them. That group is still growing. 
And of course, they've been integrated into the Bellevue Church. It's just a great story because of this young man, Jason Roberts, and that movement still be still continues today. But he thought it was so funny whenever we would visit somebody and we would have Bible studies with them and they would become Christians. He would always refer back to this passage. He said, I'm the paralyzed guy. <laughs> I can't move my feet, but now I've studied the Bible with you and Steve's going to baptize you, but I'm going to have, he would sit there and put his hand in the water and help me baptize the person. He thought that was so funny that he was the paralyzed guy and that he was helping someone get forgiveness for their sins. Folks, Jesus healed a paralytic man. But did you notice that it was the four friends lowering this guy down from the roof all the way down and then Jesus healed the guy? I want to tell you that we have a responsibility to heal other people, to visit the sick. I know that you do that. My wife had surgery a little over a week ago. A lot of cards came from the people sitting in this assembly today, right now. Thank you. I think your cards and your sentiments and your, your calls and, and all that you've done for us has healed her. Thank you. That's, that's your job. You take that seriously, don't you? In just a little while, Gary Gallon's going to be praying for all the sick people. We're going to be praying for them. And Keyshawn Gallon has a passage of scripture that proves to us that we should also be praying for each other's sins. We should be praying for forgiveness. Keyshawn, come read for us, please. Good morning. Today I'll be reading out of 1 John chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Maybe you're sitting there saying... Are you telling me to pray for somebody else's sins are forgiven? I mean, isn't that their job to ask God to, to forgive them of their sin? I can't do that for somebody else. Well, apparently, John says, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Think back. As Jesus hung on the cross, what were the first words out of the mouth of Christ after they nailed him to the cross? What did, they say? What did, what did he say? Anybody? Forgive them what? Yeah, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't know what they were doing. These grown people didn't know that they were, they had encouraged the crucifixion of an innocent man. Yes, they did. They did know that. And they could have asked themselves, couldn't they? But Jesus prayed for them. Exactly what John says, what Keyshawn read just a moment ago. We should be praying for each other's sins. We can pray for the forgiveness of others. Jesus taught us on the cross. It's kind of amazing to me that in this passage, uh, Mark 2, look at verse 1 again. This is up on the screen. It says, a few days later, this is right at the beginning, 
A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus was the one that said, birds have nests and uh, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head, right? Yeah. There was a place that Jesus called home. It was Capernaum. Bibi Joyner has sat in the synagogue at the door. He was in charge of the door to keep the sinners out of the synagogue. Bibi, I'm so glad you're here this morning. He sat right there in that very village. Jesus called Capernaum home. Now, what's wrong with that statement? Isn't he Jesus of Nazareth? Well, Jesus did go home to Nazareth, but what did the people in his hometown say? They said, get out, that's right. Well, actually, they wanted to push him over the edge. There's a big, Nazareth is on top of a mountain called the Nazareth Mountains. And there, it's, they tried to shove him off into the abyss at the bottom of that big, long... I'm looking at other people that were with us on that journey. There's Larry Nichols. And we, we saw the place where, where Jesus' family and friends tried to push him over the edge of that precipice. You know, it might surprise you that Capernaum was home. Capernaum comes from two words, kafir, and this is, the word Capernaum comes from the word kafir, which is the Hebrew word for village. And then have you ever heard of an Old Testament prophet, Nahum? You ever heard of him? Kafir Nahum. Kafir Nahum. Kafir Nahum. Kafir Nahum. Kafir Capernaum. The word Capernaum means village of Nahum. Would you like to know what the word Nahum means in Hebrew? It's the word comfort. My comforter, my all in all. Jesus found comfort in Capernaum, the village of Nahum. That's what he was. He was the prophet of comfort. Well, so so happens that the Son of God, he went to Capernaum and he said, this is my home. This morning, Jesus is still looking for a home in the lives of many people. Jesus right now is saying, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man, I've been looking for a home in the heart of all of the people that are gathered here today and all the people that are watching on their computers right now. Jesus wants to come in and make your heart his home. That's why he's here today. Jesus did all kinds of miracles. He gave messages. He had mass uh, baptismal sessions just on and on and on. I want you to notice something about Jesus' ministry in, at this point in his life. He has just started the miracles, and preaching, and telling people and getting people to be his disciples. This is in a place called Galilee, the state of Galilee, just like the state of Tennessee or, or Middle Tennessee. So Jesus was in the state of Galilee, his Galilean ministry. And I want you to look at the first seven miracles that Jesus performed. What was the first one that he performed? Everybody knows this. What is it, Larry? Turning water into wine. 
uh, Larry, when those people ran out of wine, they asked Jesus to turn water into wine, right? No. <laughs> that groom, that bride, they had no idea what was going on. It was done for them. Somebody else. Who was the one that urged Jesus to make turn water into wine? His mother did. That's right. Yeah. The bridegroom, they didn't ask anything. And look at the second one. The second miracle was Herod's official there in Capernaum. He is over in Cana of Galilee where the wedding was. And as he is leaving the wedding, somebody comes up and says, your son is ill. He's probably dead by now over in Capernaum. Jesus said, that child is going to be fine. And when he got home, the boy had made a miraculous recovery from death. Why? Did the little boy ask if Jesus could only be here and help me? No. No, it was the faith of his father. Let's see, the faith of Mary, Jesus' mother, the faith, faith of the father of that little boy that was saved from death in Capernaum. And then remember Jesus, the third miracle was that huge catch of fish. Do you remember that? And the apostles, they had such great faith, they asked Jesus to show him a sign and to send a great catch of fish in, right? No. Jesus did, just did it for them. In fact, Peter and the other apostles, they, they were professional fishermen. They said, Lord, we're the pros. We've been out all night. Uh, Jesus said, throw your nets out on the other side. All right. <clears throat> Big catch of fish. What do all these have in common? Look at the fourth miracle. Jesus, uh, somebody came to worship and had a, had a demon. Jesus cast that demon out. Why? He just wanted to cast it out. Nobody asked him to. It was the faith of Christ himself. And then Peter's mother-in-law, remember she was sick? That was the fifth miracle that Jesus ever performed. Nobody asked him to do that. He just walked right in and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then they left that city of Capernaum. And then finally there's a leper that was roaming these hills of Galilee and he was healed by Jesus. Not because he asked to. Jesus just walked up and did it for him. And then now... The seventh miracle is the one that we're looking at here in Mark 2. Where these four friends, these four friends, they, they have such great faith in Jesus that they dig a hole in somebody's roof, lets the man down through the roof. And did you hear what Larry read just, uh, just a few moments, pardon me, Tom said read just a few moments ago. Did you hear it? Jesus said, and when he saw their faith, Not the faith of the man lying there. The faith of these four individuals. What, what did we say that we're studying today? Healing? Should we pray for other people to be healed? Yeah. And for forgiveness of sins. Do we have sins that we need to confess, that we need to ask forgiveness for? Yeah. But can you pray for other people anyway? Yes. Folks, right now our country needs prayers we need forgiveness. We need to ask for forgiveness. But you know what? There are some people that are just, they're, they're going to be so hard-headed, they're not going to ask for themselves. We need to ask for them. This morning, this lesson is about healing and forgiven forgiveness.
That's what we're about. Let me tell you, the church had significant growth. The three times that the church grew the most, I've put up on a slide for you right now. The first one was in 180 AD. The church had this huge explosion of, of so many over a long period of time. You know what happened just a few years, 25 years before that? You know what happened? There was a terrible pandemic that was taking place called smallpox. It's the first time smallpox had ever hit the Roman Empire. And, and you know what Christians did? They went and they cared for individuals and they gave them food. In the ancient world, in the Roman world, if you got sick, it's something that the gods meant for you to, to do. Your neighbors did not come and help you. What your neighbors were doing was, was better you than me. They weren't helping each other. But Christians did. What do you think that did when the people healed, when they got past that terrible... And by the way, the small, smallpox was just a horrible disease. In fact, so many people died that I think one out of every three Romans died during that epidemic. It was just amazing. Notice, a time of epidemic, a time of illness, and 25 years later, the church is exploding in growth. Why? Same reason that so many people came there to listen to Jesus preach because he had healed so many people. They saw the love of God. Folks, when people see that we love them and we care for them, and what better time for us to show that we love and we care for them than in a time of epidemic disease. Another time that the church grew was in 262. The church grew immensely. And guess what happened just prior to that? Measles. First time measles had ever occurred. And then, uh, by the way, it was not only just measles, it was measles and smallpox together uh, that affected the people that weren't infected the first time. And then in 337, the emperor of Rome became a Christian. His name was Constantine. Yes, his mother was a Christian. But you know what happened just many years before that in 320? When the Roman legions had gone to France, many of the Roman soldiers had gotten blood diseases from some of the illicit activities that they were carrying on. But you know what? The Roman government noticed that Christian Roman legionnaires that didn't participate in these immoral activities, they didn't get the blood diseases. Suddenly, the Roman Empire had seen time and time again, three different times, the church grew the most after a time of epidemic proportions. Folks, we have an opportunity right now. We have an opportunity for healing and forgiveness. This is a time that we can help heal our country. This is a time that we can provide forgiveness. I hope and pray that we see this as an opportunity, not, 
not God's hatred for us. Why is God allowing this to happen? It could be that we are on just the, the beginning days of a time that the church is going to grow the most. And that's what we need to see. We need to transform our vision of what's going on in this life right now. I have a book that I want you to have prior to the 4th of July. It's called The Prayers of Our Founders. And this is the second one that, that I gave on this subject. I gave you one just like it a year ago. These are individuals that were the framers of our Constitution, those that began our nation. Today, you're welcome to this book. Just come by the church office, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. You can have one of these for free. But Jesus is looking for a home in, in Capernaum. It's the village of comfort, Kafir Nahum. And that's what Nahum was, a man of comfort. Folks, we need to provide comfort for Christ and his father. Jesus said, my father and I, we will come and make our abode with him. And so that's the invitation right now is for you to give your life to Christ. And if you do, then his father and he will come and make their residence in you. We already know that we have the Holy Spirit the moment that we are immersed in the blood of Christ. This morning, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do that right now, immediately, as soon as possible, and then begin, begin supplying healing and forgiveness in our world. Let's sing together. I will call upon the Lord who is
Please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, it is such a privilege to come to you today, to come to you, Father, in prayer. God, we thank you for your inerrant, infallible word. We thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, Lord. Father, we are called, Lord, to be the salt of this earth and to help influence others in a positive way, and most importantly, Father, to share the gospel, Lord, for that truly is the good news. Lord, there are many members within our congregation, although we have been unable to see each other, to touch one another, to hug them, or even say we love them, we do want to lift their names up in prayer. Many of our members, Lord, are scheduled for upcoming tests, evaluations, and we ask, Father, for healing. Those members are Jane Davis, Jimmy Dyer, Lena Gaethje, Jackie Liberto, Gwendolyn Lampley, Nancy Leeton, Vicki Luffman, Kay McClellan, Catherine McKay, Kim McNally, Paulette Naren, Liz Platsmere, Earl and Joan Priest, Pat Reeves, Lita Robinson, Linda Simpson, Brother Tom Triggerstad, Craig Wells, Diana Wood, Wilson, and Barbara Vaden. We also have some members, Lord, who are shut in and unable to physically meet with us as well. Francis Binkley, Jack Hensley, Diana Holt, Fran Howes, Gwendolyn Lampley, Mary Margaret Marley, Audie Pewitt, Earl and Joan Priest, and Pat Reeves, Beverly Speak, Christine Slaughter, and Josephine Wright. Father, we also have some other loved ones that we also want to extend special prayers to, Lord, who are either in hospice care or back at home. They are Jim Banks, Terry Canada, Gordon Mayfield, Marge Parks, Robert Thurman. And we also ask, Lord, special prayers to please be with the Phyllis Wesley family as she recently went on home. 
Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, again, for this opportunity to come to you in prayer, Lord. These things we ask for humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. There is beyond the azure blue a Hey everyone, we're glad to see all our heritage friends and um, look forward to seeing you in person before long, but we have some happy news to share. We've just been to Pinehurst, North Carolina to see our grandchildren, our granddaughter born in January. It's only the second time we've gotten to see her and our three-year-old grandson. So that's our happy news and we hope all of you are doing well. Well, it's here, we're in Orange Beach, Alabama, enjoying some time with the McClellans. We look forward to seeing you the first Sunday in July. There you go. Hello, Heritage family. We're glad to say hi to you today. We just say that we miss you all. And uh, this fella next to me, I picked him up somewhere. If you recognize him, it might be uh, nice to know who he is. Most people don't recognize him. Um, we've just kind of been quarantined like everyone else and uh, we haven't had very many things exciting to talk about which is a good thing I believe um, we've been we managed to stay well we just throw him in the washing machine when he gets around something so I think uh, we'll be glad when we all get back together and see you again and wish you all to be well and Take care of yourselves. Afternoon, everybody. This is Mickey and Sally Hamilton. Uh, we're looking forward to getting back to church together and uh, uh, fellowshipping. Uh, can't wait to see everyone. We have missed seeing everybody. <laughs> hey, guys. Britton Christian here from Gulf Shores, Alabama. Even though we don't really want to leave, we can't wait to get back and see everybody. <laughs> 